Hi, I'm Richard Bond, and I am the producer and director of the Tupac Assassination movies. Over the last 12 years, I have learned a lot about Tupac, and I'd like to share with you what I know. Greetings to you. It's R.J. Bond coming at you with another edition of R.J. Bond, What I Know. Man, it's been a long time since I feel like I've been in touch with any of you. I've done a couple of live shows, done a little bit of uh, chopping it up with some of the fans. You know, we get what we call our 23 knuckleheads that uh, are the faithful few that come around and uh, jump on the podcast. I'm sorry, on the live shows. And uh, we always seek to try to uh, do what we can to, you know, keep keep hope alive. Um, recently, I experienced a... Um, an unfortunate death in the family. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the time you just have to just stop down and tend to what is yours. Uh, take care of your family, take care of your obligations, do those things. And uh, it, it's very draining uh, whenever you have a, a, a death in the immediate family, especially. And um, it's never fun. And so, you know, it's been a little bit and I just kind of had to check out from a lot of the stuff I was doing Tupac related. Of course, as you guys know, nobody pays for this. Uh, you know, this is content that is put out uh, with love and respect for the fans. Um, you know, we don't solicit uh, sponsorships. And whenever I do a live stream, I don't hit people up for those little $5 and $10 gifts, you know, that people throw it. YouTubers that are making a lot more money anyway with even without those if people knew that they'd probably not throw those five and ten dollar hits on them but at any rate um, it 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 was one of those things where you know since it's not my main job since doing this is not my main uh, source of income uh, I do have a regular source of income and we have to be able to respect that and uh, uh, I got to concentrate on that and the thing and there just isn't a lot of room for extracurricular stuff like doing a radio show or doing a podcast. Uh, I wish it were. I mean, it would be lovely, lovely if uh, this was the only income that I had was uh, off a podcast and I could make that my full-time job because you'd probably see a lot more, you know, amazing content coming right out of it if I had the time to do it. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to just kind of catch everybody up on that and just let you know that uh, we are going to get the podcast back up and going again and, and uh, get everybody back to uh, knowing what the latest is on the um, issues that are affecting the Tupac community. Uh, you know, it looks like we're going to have to keep going back and hitting these knuckleheads that uh, want to keep going over on the Tupac Alive thing. You know, it just shocked me just the other day. Um, I, you know, I get a Google News alert for Tupac Shakur and whenever the name comes up and it could be some obscure newspaper or a chat board or something, it doesn't have to be a big thing. But when that stuff comes up, actually, I am able to uh, uh, look it up and see what the reference is. And, and I was shocked that somebody actually on one of the chat boards, and this was a 2017 posting, actually, um, that somebody actually said... And they posted up that uh, they wanted to know what city Tupac Shakur got shot in. And he, they said they looked all over the internet and they couldn't find it. That's really weird to me. I mean, I, I maybe that stuff is falling off the news cycle. Maybe, you know, as the days go by and months click by and years click by, maybe a lot of that information was, you know, maybe it's not as available as it is now. 
one of the things that I tried to do when I was pretty religious about doing it, and I would encourage you to do the same thing, don't always presume that a website is going to be there forever, okay? I've made the mistake in the past where I've actually gone onto a website and I've seen some valuable information, some document that might have been posted or some a website that had some really current information at that time. And of course, like I said, I've been doing this for, you know, better part of 13, 14 years in the Tupac world. And you'd be amazed at the things that either the story changes a little bit or the documents and information that was up there for whatever reason just, you know, disappears. And I made a pretty good point. Like I said, I was pretty religious about it, about saving screenshots of web pages. If I could print the web page to a PDF file, that's what I would do to help, you know, keep it in the library. If I talked about something, I wanted to see it. Um, and honestly, you know, people sometimes that have websites for the moment and they don't pay the bill, then the website gets taken down or uh, was the case. I think it was the Compton Journal. It was a newspaper that the city of Compton uh, had as like one of their major newspapers. Um, they were bought by another company uh, mid 2000s or so. And right around 2009, 2010 time frame, they actually completely revamped their whole website and many of the articles that were originally up there weren't up there anymore because they were editorials and things that were written by the old regime and now the new owners came in and they said, now we're not putting some of that old stuff up there, we're just going to go forward and put new stuff up there. And so links get dead, uh, articles aren't there, um, other things that are uh, valuable, um, you know, they just disappear. And there's been many times I've gone back to look for things that I just said, oh, I'll bookmark it and it'll be there or I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come back to it. And it's kind of like the, you, you do that and then you lose it. And, and, it's, and it's unfortunate that it happens that way. But always, guys, if you run across something that's of any value at all to you in the world of Tupac, do not presume that that information will be up there and be online. Because it's not, and it's you know becomes a real uh, real problem trying to get at that, especially if it's something that you're using in an argument. You say, well, you know, actually there was this operation called Operation Angel something or other that uh, was some conspiracy theory about the Las Vegas police being involved in the murder of Tupac Shakur, and uh, you know, and when you go back to actually look at it, um, that information isn't there anymore. Uh, you know, but it laid out what the whole conspiracy theory was. And fortunately, I took a screenshot of it, so I know what it is. But um, if you don't, you, then you lose it. And and so that's kind of the hard thing. So maybe these guys that are looking around for the city that Tupac got shot in, I, I really have a hard time believing he really looked around. But, um, you know, you never know. These, 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 these facts disappear. And that may have everything to do with the rise of these knuckleheads that you know want to keep doing the Tupac alive thing you know the Tupac's alive and he's living with some Navajo tribe in you know BFE and uh you know which you know I've, I've been pretty outspoken about how I feel about the Tupac alive people and what they are uh, about and you know the the kind of the the discord that they sow but you know it I'm beginning to believe there are people who really believe that I mean you know like I said there was a newspaper article that came out that said something like two and a half million people in the UK believe that Tupac is alive. 
Um, you know, this it's just astounding to me. But it might be just because there's just an absence of information out there. I mean, I look at the assassination videos and think to myself, well, maybe I should do something to, you know, reorganize them or re-release the first two, you know, bring them up to higher specifications. A lot of it has to do with technical stuff, um, but bring them up to some sort of uh, speed and re-release them. And that way people actually understand uh, what was being said, you know, and these facts that seem to be disappearing off the internet. And, um, lead people to believe that the you know this alive thing is is still a thing uh you know maybe that maybe we need to do that um for sure the one thing i can tell you obviously is that from the number of people and the show is called rj bond what i know and what i know about that is that they you know have a a theory that a number one is a much bigger conspiracy theory than anything i could ever come up with number one number two uh they don't have much behind it and most of the stuff that they have in it is, has been debunked but it keeps coming around and and you know everybody that knows tupac knows that tupac couldn't keep quiet for this long he would he would have certainly uh made his presence known at some point uh to his family and his friends and you know having interviewed some of the closest people to him his aunt his mom uh, you know, people that would know or have a vested interest in there. Uh, number one, I never got the impression they were lying. Number one. Number two, when you get to somebody and you meet with them and you experience with them in a communal setting, the pain that these people have uh, remembering Tupac and remembering, you know, a son, uh, a, a nephew, uh, a co-worker in the case of Tracy Robinson, you know, a business partner. Uh, somebody that you just had an amazing relationship with, that to say that none of these people or all these people knew and aren't saying anything, or B, that you know somehow they don't know, both of them fly in the face of what I have experienced personally. So people can go around and they can be you know a news reporter, they could be somebody that's a you know some objective third party voice, somebody that just wrote a book about Tupac, didn't even know him, didn't know anybody knew him, and wrote a book about it or, or started a theory on the internet, lit a match on the internet to try to start a viral uh, campaign uh, about Tupac being alive. And, you know, they don't know anybody and they've never interviewed anybody and they've never even talked to anybody who was actually really close to them. Uh, I mean, I'm challenging the guy that did, the, you know, this most recent monstrosity, the whole Tupac is in the Navajo Nation thing, you know, obviously, I don't think that's going to get any traction, but let's say it does. Uh, you know, he, he claims that people, quote unquote, in the family or are, are know about it and are OK with it. Well, first off, they can't be not OK with it. It's a, if it's a documentary, the family really doesn't have much to do with likeness rights. So the estate has to be OK with it. If it's not music related, the estate has to be OK with the use of the likeness rights in the story. They literally really can't stop you from making a documentary. I mean, everybody's talking about this new uh, Lion King or Tiger King, sorry, with uh, um, the fella that's uh, in prison right now for 22 years. And they made a documentary about him, Joe Exotic, and uh, the uh, the whole thing there, which, by the way, I I have to admit, I watched the whole damn thing. I was I was caught up in it just like everybody else is. And the one thing that took me about the whole thing was that not a single one of them had any interest at all in bringing tigers into the wild.
they, if anything, they were more interested in bringing wild tigers in and breeding them and keeping them for themselves. So it's really funny. All of them that say that they care about, even the one that had the quote unquote sanctuary, uh, you know, they say they care about the tigers, but I didn't hear a single one of them ever talk about bringing tigers into the wild. Anyway, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, getting back to this thing, there's really not much that people can do, especially if they've signed releases and that. Uh, there's really not much they can do in a documentary. So if this guy, Rick Boss, or whoever his name is, he he goes out and he does a documentary that says that Tupac is, is in... Uh, is in New Mexico, unless it's just a bald-faced lie and it's a fraud, uh, you know, to be perpetrated on it. I mean, you could, you know, there's plenty of alien abduction documentaries out there. Uh, you know, plenty of, of government conspiracy documentaries out there. You know, pretty much he can do what he wants. So the fact that he said that the family, he knows somebody, the family's okay with it. You know, they can't not be okay with it. But at the at the same time, to use it as some sort of stamp of endorsement, I'd like to actually know what quote-unquote family member really had anything to do with that at all. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to see kind of where that where that mop flops. But uh, I've pretty much torn apart, and I think it was in one of the live shows. And if not, I'm certainly get back to it on the podcast. Tore apart every single part of that stupid theory uh, because it just doesn't even stand on its own. I mean, it's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Um, but you know, maybe they'll get their act together and maybe that's what he needs a year to do is to actually try to make, make, connect the dots and make it all make sense. I don't know. So we'll happen to see, and, uh, we'll just, we'll find out where it goes. Listen to the hit. Corrupt was right, yeah, we was creeping, but we had the agreement, we're keeping on the down low, scandalous ass bitches, after my riches, see it wasn't popping, now you wanna start tripping, call up the cops, now you wanna start snitching, give up the spot, tell they ass where I'm living, huh, what part of the game is that though, should've known better than to fuck with a rat hoe, oh, you see and I'm stacking the cash flow, now it ain't no problem, you just throwing the asshole, oh, you foul, do anything for chips, even write a book on some superhead shit, but Ace been knowing I've been on my pimp shit Get my grip, push whips and flip chicks, yeah Cause Pac said it best to me Yeah, it's money over bitches, cut the check to me, nigga It's a cup of cold, cold, cold game for balls and they chores Yes, give a nigga, give a nigga, give a nigga, give a drink Big balls and they chores Got me hitting it the same night. Dirty rats only out for the cheese. But the facts overlaps what they speak. Yes. Go some superhead shit. Big balls and they chose. Yes. It's a cup of cold, cold, cold game. Balls and they chose. Yes. Give a nigga, give a nigga, give a nigga, bring. Big balls and they chose. I'm glad we did. But the fact that. I was saying, let's not be rude and crude. Let's not be uh, gangster about it. Because all the songs out, Short had one. He said, you get a room. No, he said, you wine and diner, take her out. Me, I get a room, stick my dick in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> AMG had one. Now, hoes, I love you without your clothes. When you're putting them on, I want to see you gone. My dick don't have eyes. I know you're mesmerized by the size. Eat it up like a burger and fries because you're a hoe. A what? A tramp. A what? A slut. And she sucked dick giving up the lips in between her lips. You know, everybody. Bitch better have my money. And then Luke and him. 
you know, Luke, I don't even got to say it. You know most of his songs. Pop that coochie, pop, pop that coochie, mama. And then if you listen to the lyrics, the verse, I was like, you know what's not out there? One that pleases the woman. But she's getting satisfied. You know? So Martin was stuck. He was, because not, <laughs> not that he's never, you know, not that he doesn't live like that as a man, because it's just nobody wrote like that. Right, it wasn't conventional. Matter of fact, Cullen and his couple of his cousins overheard me saying to him like this, this is what I got. If there's a cure for this, we don't need it, we just eat it, you know. And they pulled him aside and were whispering, and I overheard them, they, they were like, you ain't going to say you're eating pussy on no record, is you nigga? Come on, that ain't, we don't know this, this weirdo shop dude, you know. And then Mun would walk back over to me, and I would be like, Mun, it's going to win. It's time. Everything out is rude to him. Let's be nice to the girl. And he was still kind of stuck, and he looked at me. I said, he was like, please the bitch. And I was like, no, 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 no. I said, we're not writing to the benches. I said, we're not writing to the girls you meet, you know, just the ones that throwaways. Rhyme like you rhyme to you, the one that you love or you want to marry, the one that's your, your main girl. He went, oh, I got it. That's all he needed to hear. Nobody wrote about their true love soulmate. Everybody wrote about the hoes. So it was, it was weird that that's what had him stuck. And to unstick him was so easy just to say, no, 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 no. Write about the one you love. And he was like, oh, I got you. Squeaks ruining the binkies macking. It's been a long time. It's been a hard grind for me and my dog. It's been a rough ride. Stay humble, don't fumble. It's dark in the jungle. Haters always mumble, so don't stumble and fall. You see, we didn't make the call. God did it all. Shook all the suckers, all the fake hustlers, worldwide, well-known busters. Got back to the facts. Got real about the scratch and left the hood rats. It's just me and my dog. We ain't tripping off y'all. It's just me and my dog. You see the truth never fall. It's just me and my dog. How how did Kathy Scott get the autopsy photo of Tupac and why was it released to her and what is your opinion of her putting that out in her book? Did that hurt the investigation? Exactly. Yeah. The photo that was released, I don't know how she got it. I probably have suspicions. It wasn't released legitimately. It shouldn't have been out there. And I can tell you that it was not a police photo in that it was not a photograph we had taken during the autopsy because the photo that was released was a post-procedure photo. We don't take post-procedure photos. The only photos we take are of evidentiary value as in wounds or things like that where the 
medical examiner, the, the forensic pathologist, says this is something that's relevant. We just don't take pictures of dead bodies just to do it. And we sure don't take pictures of dead bodies after they've been autopsied and sewn back up, so to speak, preparation to be transported to the mortuary for, for whatever the next akin want done with the remains. So, you know, I think it was tacky that the picture was out there. I guess I know that uh, that's just the way it is, though. And I know right away that, the, you know, the thing was $100,000 for a photo, an autopsy photo. And that's why our case file was locked up because we sure didn't want any of our photos released out there in public. So, yeah, I can tell you with 100% certainty that that particular photo was not from our file. And I, but I can't tell you who took it or who released it. So we got a little bit of everything floating at you coming your way today. We got, uh, first thing was uh, that first track that you heard, Balls in the Jaws. That was from the Tupac Assassination soundtrack, yes. Tupac Assassination, the first one, had a legitimate soundtrack with it. And it was uh, Binky Mac, or no, I take it back, it wasn't Binky Mac. Uh, we had uh, uh, a variety of different artists. This was actually uh, the Block Boys, Ace, and K-Boys that sung that song. And uh, I didn't like it, uh, personally. I didn't think it was particularly good for what we were doing but you know what it's controversial and, and controversy sells and our, our distributor felt like they were gonna put it on the record whether or not i liked it or not but the reason that we played it was because we wanted to actually segue into the shock g interview where shock talks about uh the digital underground philosophy of not being um disrespectful to women uh, I think it's important not to be uh, disrespectful, and uh, it was uh, a good thing. But again, like I said, opinions vary, and that's why we have the wonderful freedom of speech. Anyway, uh, the next thing that we clipped was a um, conversation between Frank Alexander and Brent Becker, who was the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department's investigator on the Tupac Shakur homicide. He has now since retired and moved someplace, I don't know where he moved to, but when he was on the police department, we interviewed him and uh, really got the, the down low. And, and as far as I know, it's one of the only extensive interviews that has ever been done, that and Before I Wake, uh, with any detective that actually worked on the Tupac case. So again, this is what I know, and this is the things that we have at our disposal. Um, and we're gonna talk for a minute though about another detective, a former detective, and uh, talk a little bit about some news that just came out. Well, I can see that our favorite Barney Fife former detective, Greg Kading, was out with another interview uh, in All Hip Hop Weekly or, I don't know, online. I don't even know if All Hip Hop has a magazine anymore. We were in it back when they had a magazine where they did a big article about the show. Uh, but I don't, I think it was a weekly magazine, but I don't think they do the magazine anymore. Magazines are kind of uh, old school now. And they so they do the online thing, which basically means they can kind of shit out whatever they want to whenever they want to, regardless of whether or not there's any fact behind it. But I'm going to read this to you uh, because it's coming straight from all hip hop. And it says uh, a former detective claims to know who killed the late rapper and wants the alleged murderer behind bars now. 
And all hip hop news is great. Katie, the former detective who worked with the Los Angeles Police Department on Tupac Shakur's and Biggie Smalls murder cases, says he wants an arrest immediately. Kading believes the infamous Los Angeles gangster Dwayne Keefe D. Davis should be arrested and charged for his role in the rapper's death. According to an interview Kading did with Daily Star, Keefe D. has confessed to his involvement in Tupac's murder on several occasions. Keefe D. may not have been the trigger man, but he, was admit- he has admitted to being in the car that fired upon Suge Knight's BMW on September 7, 1996, fatally wounding Pac, who was a passenger. Keefe D should be arrested. Keefe D is a self-confessed murderer, Kading said. He has confessed publicly multiple times about his role in the murder of Tupac. He continued, And I cannot think of any case in American crime history where a confessing murderer is allowed to continue and go to speak blatantly about his involvement in a crime. It is unprecedented. Kading also says Keefe D admitted to getting the handgun used during the incident for the alleged shooter, Orlando Baby Lane Anderson. Keefe D has also allegedly confessed to a crime, to the crime in a book and documentaries about the murder of Tupac. So that's the article. That's what all hip hop has to say. And of course, uh, there's a lot of information there, but let's get right down to it. What we all know, if one watches enough television about our legal system, it can become very confusing as to what really needs to be produced to obtain evidence. And this is where Mr. Kading, I, I can't where did this guy go? I, what kind of cop is it that? Oh my! You know. Okay, let me. I got to get back to this. Just, just the 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 insanity continues. If somebody's a law school graduate or worse yet, an experienced criminal defense attorney, it can be frustrating to watch how the media and movies and television shows characterizes a conviction as a slam dunk because the defendant admitted or confessed. But every law student in California, even in the first year, learns the corpus delecti rule. In Latin, it means body of the crime. It states that in order to obtain a conviction, the prosecution must produce some evidence independent of the defendant's admission or confession that a crime took place. This was established in a case called Jones versus the Superior Court in 1979. This rule is generally introduced as a defense argument. So let's just stop right there for a minute and notice that in California, which is where Greg Kading apparently was a police officer and where he apparently learned about laws and he apparently learned about that, let's say that Keith Davis gets arrested. What benefit is it if there's no other evidence that points to his involvement other than what he said? And as far as I know, as of right now, there's not. There's not a shred of evidence that points to him, that that puts a gun in his hand, that puts his fingerprints at the crime scene, that puts a bullet there. So what are you going to get out of it? You're going to get an arrest. But let's, let's continue. In evidence cases where the law student is taught that unless a prosecutor can produce some relevant evidence, proof that a crime occurred before any prosecutor may introduce a defendant's statement about the crime. Okay, this was established in Hall versus the Superior Court. In practice, the rule is violated repeatedly without judges of defenses saying anything. But, likewise, a defendant's admission or confession without independent evidence that a crime occurred cannot establish proof beyond a reasonable doubt. This was Ravis versus Superior Court. This fundamental principle has been applied to the context of a preliminary hearing, too. So, it's a, it's a context that belongs to the prosecution and conviction of a person, which we can tell clearly a confession is not enough. Uh, it also even goes as far as a preliminary hearing. Okay, 
Cases such as the People versus Herrera and other cases, that was a 2006 case, has held that the defendant cannot be held to answer at the preliminary hearing based on only his or her statements. Okay? This is important because many defense attorneys seem to overlook it as well as judges. The simple rule is to follow when a defendant is charged with just one crime. However, if a defendant is charged with multiple offenses and there are multiple defendants, following this rule become complicated fast. For example, corpus of the crime can't be established by an out-of-court statement by a co-defendant. So everything that we're seeing here leads to the fact that they can arrest Mr. Davis, but they're sure as hell not going to get any kind of conviction if they're relying just on his statement by itself. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule. For example, in a felony-based crime involving special circumstances, and there's certain penal codes it has to meet, in such a case of special circumstances, the corpus of the offense does not have to be proven independently of the defendant's extrajudicial statement. In addition, at a preliminary hearing, a defendant can be held to answer based on the uncorroborated testimony of an accomplice. This exception has been extended to permit a holdover order even when a qualified police officer testifies about what a non-testifying defendant confessed out of court incriminating the defendant as long as the judge finds it reliable. That's People versus Miranda uh, in 2000. In our experience, we've never seen a judge find the police officer lacking in credibility, which is often frustrating for the defense. And that's what allows people like Kading to run around with the assumption that if he gets an arrest, there's going to be a conviction. Here's the bottom line. I don't care about an arrest. Who does that serve? And let's let's look at Mr. Kading's motives for a minute. Who gets the benefit of an arrest? Let's say Vegas or the LAPD goes in and they make an arrest and they arrest Keith Davis. Who does that benefit? First off, who, who, who gets the win there? Because from everything I'm seeing and everything that, that I just told you, uh, there would be a snowball's chance in H-E double hockey sticks that Keith Davis would be convicted. There's not a shred of evidence, and this is the problem Mr. Kading has. He has no evidence. He doesn't even have evidence that Orlando Anderson did anything. He has circumstantial evidence by what other witnesses have said. Other than that, there's not a shred of actual real evidence, documents, fingerprints, casings, anything that would normally go with a crime of this magnitude. Uh, there's there's no other evidence there. Now, we get to the point where if there's no other evidence except for what he said, what prosecutor in their right mind is going to roll the dice just on that to try to get a conviction? And I don't care about an arrest. I care about a conviction. And I think that Tupac fans and the Tupac community and his family and Biggie Small's family care about a conviction. They don't care about an arrest because you can arrest anybody for anything. It doesn't mean they're going to get convicted. And that's really what we're angling for here. We want to see a conviction in these cases. We want to see somebody put in jail for the long haul on this. Okay. So you go back to who benefits from an arrest. Well, only Mr. Kading would benefit from an arrest. And the reason is because then he could add it to his little resume that the information he put out there and the uh, what allegedly coerced confession that they got out of Keith Davis, which nobody's really actually heard the whole confession except for maybe, uh, I think, one of the one newspaper he played it for. But nobody's really heard the whole thing. And uh, that this alleged confession and the, of Keith Davis 
was enough to go on. It doesn't seem to be enough evidence to say that. But Mr. Kading would be able to say, truthfully, my information led to the arrest of Keith Davis, and now he's been arrested. Well, let's go back and take a look at what happened with Reggie Wright. Reggie Wright got arrested, and he had 14 charges against him of various felonies and misdemeanors and convictions. And out of everything that he was doing, and he was looking at like 22 years, of, 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 I think about 22 years, he got a year, okay? So even when you have an arrest and you have a ton of evidence, that doesn't necessarily translate into any kind of lasting impact there. There's no, there's no uh, final uh, note of satisfaction that somebody might go to jail for the offenses they committed and actually do the time that they're. And there's all kinds of mitigating reasons why. But And I'm using that example just to say this. He's got evidence of a confession. Okay, great. According to all the laws I'm reading, you need a health care of a lot more because of corpus delecti unless it's some special circumstance. And that special circumstance would have to be so clearly lined out and so clearly qualified that a judge would have to say, yeah, I can bypass this whole corpus delecti rule. Otherwise, the defendant's got a hell of an appeal. So even if this confession there, an arrest only benefits one person. Arrest doesn't benefit the Tupac fans because if he posts bail and he's back out on the street again, what good does that do? And if he's not convicted, we've wasted a lot of taxpayer money, a lot of time, a lot of energy on the part of the prosecution to present flimsy confession by a guy. And we all know Keith Davis has zero credibility as far as telling the truth goes, uh, that this confession has any weight to it at all. And if that's all they're going to run with, they're not, they're not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So what does an arrest, back to this article, what does an arrest benefit? It benefits no one except for somebody who wants to have another claim to their fame that they somehow were involved with the arrest of it. And that's why he keeps running around calling for the arrest of Keith Davis. But again, like I've said time and time and time again about this guy, that he's not the most honest guy on the planet when he's talking about how an arrest like that would mean something. It doesn't mean anything. It is simply that it's an arrest. And the only person that it benefits is uh, the guy who's calling for the arrest. So be vigilant, be aware, understand the law, know what it means, and stick to your guns. We're looking for a conviction, not an arrest. So let the talk begin. Let the uh, conjecture begin. And I'd love to hear more from you. But for now, that's what I know. What I Know, Martin Productions Production, copyright 2019. We'll see you next week.